Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, and we will start reading at verse 14. Ephesians 3, 14. It says this, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I was in this scripture a little bit last year. Uh, those that might recall, it was a series on prayer. And we examine uh, a variety of things about prayer. We examine uh, in one message about the pattern uh, that Jesus taught us how to pray. Uh, we uh, looked at praying for ourselves and how important it is for us to make sure that we remember that we do that. Now, some feels guilty sometimes by praying for yourself, but it's important that we're in the place where God can use us. And I believe when we're talking with God, we're doing that in prayer to Him. He talks to us in many avenues, certainly through His Word, but prayer, we can talk to, to God and we can talk to Him about ourselves as well. We uh, talked about certainly about praying for others. We know the importance of that. Jesus, when He said that He hung all the commandments on two, the first one was the love of the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said the second's like unto this, to love the neighbor as thyself. So we know how important it is to think of others. He said pray for God, or, or He said trust in God and love Him above everything. And then, not, it wasn't ourselves next, but it was others, love others. So we know the importance of that, and we know the importance in prayer. Yes, pray for ourselves, but it's important to pray for others as well. We looked at praying for deliverance, whether it's for somebody lost and undone, and to be delivered from sin and be saved, or it could be deliverance from a multitude of things. And then one other uh, uh, message was about <clears throat> praying for the church, praying for the church. And uh, it hit me this week a little bit. Uh, as you all recall, as you was here last week when Timmy mentioned it, or maybe you saw it on one of the messages that come through, that Timmy had recommended that uh, every day at noon that we take time solely to pray for the church. Now we can pray for the church, or we, and, and we can also pray, though, for this church particularly. That God will use this place. Uh, it was uh, a, a great service this morning. It really was. We're still seeing souls that are saved. We're still seeing things happen. You go to a lot of churches tonight and it's not that way maybe. Um, and uh, I, I want to get into a couple statistics here in just a moment. 
But I think it's important, as Timmy had put it, that we remember to pray for one another. Uh, there's a variety of things, but right here in these verses, we're going to look at three things in just a moment that Paul talked about, uh, that he prayed about. That's what he says there in verse 14. He said, I bowed my knees to the Father in heaven. He's talking about going to him in prayer. And it mentions there at the end of that about the church. And in between, he begins talking about what his prayer is for, what he's been praying for. And we want to use that as a guide tonight to help us daily to go to God and pray for our little church here. I think it's important that we do that. Uh, uh, there's uh, there's uh, certainly concern when we see numbers falling and and, uh, and we're not in dire need or dire straits or anything like that. But we don't want to get to that point either. We want to make sure that we've got a healthy church to go out there and face things in this world. And when I mean healthy, I mean spiritually healthy. We need to be in a place where we're not just uh, uh, feasting on the milk of the Word, because Paul said we need to get to the meat of the Word as well. And that meat provides protein to us. It provides nourishment to us. It provides strength to us. It, be, it allows us to become healthier spiritually, so that when we go into the world and we face difficulty, man, we are much better prepared uh, when going out there. Or when we hear things that's disappointing. Or when we see somebody in need. Uh, we have a better reaction to be able to help them to step in for them. Maybe even to pray for them or to witness to them or whatever it may be. But we need to be in a place where we're healthy and we're useful in the hands of God. We don't want to come to a place where we're complacent. People get that way. I don't know about in your spiritual life, you ever been in a place of complacency? I'll tell you I have. And it's not a good place to be in. It's really not. I love it when I've got that closeness with Jesus Christ. And when I appreciate Him every day. When I'm talking to Him and meditating with Him. When I feel the blessings of heaven come down. It's in a great place to be. And I want everyone to experience that. And we want to experience it all the time. Now we're going to have difficulty in this world. We're going to have trouble. We're going to have disappointments. We're going to have sad days. There's going to be times of sorrow. But through it all, uh, we we can have the joy of Christ down in our heart. A joy that the Scripture says is unspeakable. It's hard to get out how much God loves us. That's the kind of joy that we need to have. All times in our life, even through troubles and trials, we can have that. Now, a couple of things here. Prior to 2020, so up to 2019... Uh, Tom Rayner, who was a leader of Lifeway, written several books, and he had uh, uh, wrote in a book about st some statistics about churches. And he's uh, um, he's written about the dying church. He's written about the dead church. He's written about uh, the the a born again church, and and a variety of things. But in one of those, he talked about the rate of churches, Protestant churches closing in the U.S. At one time, I believe there was over a half a million churches, if I'm not mistaken, Protestant churches in the United States. Now there's approximately 320,000. 
He talked about leading up to 2019 or through 2019, there was approximately anywhere from five to 10,000 churches, Protestant churches, that would close its doors every year. That should be alarming. Now, the, the, the rate accelerated a bit through the pandemic. There were churches that, now out of that five and 10,000, some of those churches may have closed, but then they may be able to open up again. But it was thought that through the pandemic that it could be potentially 60,000 Protestant churches closed permanently. Now, I don't have the number of exactly where we ended up, but it's a staggering number. But even if you go back to maybe a more conservative number of five to 10,000, do you realize that 75 to 150 congregations just here in the U.S. that's closing its doors every week? You think about that. Think about what it would do to this area. If it just takes 75 churches in this area, that's probably all of them, they would all shut down this week. How devastating that would be. Well, that's happening, not in one community, but across the U.S. That still should be devastating to us. That still should be something that opens our eyes and wakes us up. Listen, we've got to get this close relationship with Christ so that each one of us can be used out in this world, but collectively we can be united together in the work for Him. We need to advance the kingdom of God and we can only do that if we're walking with Jesus Christ. If we're learning of Him. During the pandemic, uh, there was more pastors, many of them, who were full-time that had to go to bivocational. Bivocational is what I am. I have a career that supports me and my family. And I work. You all know I travel a lot. That's part of my job. And then also attempting to pastor. Now there's some people that, that doesn't get that. I was with some folks this week. Matter of fact, I was with a couple officers of the company. And, and they, they was asking me. I appreciate them asking me if I was still pastoring. And, and I always say, well, I'm attempting to. Because it's difficult. It's difficult. Even tonight I feel very ill prepared to preach. But I always think about what Billy Graham, regardless of the physical state you're in, regardless of a state of preparedness or a lack of it, he was like, get me to the pulpit and God will do the rest. And that's what I lean on. That's what I trust in. That's what I believe in. I'd love to have hours upon hours every week to be able to pour into the Word of God and study things out. And being bivocational makes it very difficult to do that. So to hear that there's so many that's having to go from full-time ministry back to working a job and trying to pastor or lead a church, I know personally how difficult that is. We need to pray for the church. I want you to understand there is true, truly one church, those that are made up by the believers of Jesus Christ. But then there's also our community church here that sees things, that hears things, that feels things. And you yourself uh, going through difficulties. 
just all the more important that we unite together. It was also talked about that um, how uh, it would be difficult to sustain a healthy congregation. Once again, not talking about physically, talking about spiritually. We all know what the pandemic brought to us. It's, it's been horrible. It's been horrific. Uh, we've all known people that has uh, died from that terrible disease. We understand how political it all become and all of those things that happen. That hurts the healthiness, the spiritual healthiness of a church. And it's, they say the pandemic's over, but that virus obviously is still ongoing. So there's still things that we're going to be dealing with forever, probably the rest of our life. The devil will use whatever tool that he can pull out and use against you and against the church. He'll do all he can to disappoint us, to drag us down, to tear us apart, to hurt us, to harm us. He doesn't want a healthy church. He wants it to be unhealthy. He wants it to be fragmented. He wants it to be broken apart. He doesn't want one that can go out and thrive and light the candle out in the community that needs to be lit to those those that are in darkness and sin. He doesn't want a church that is, comes together when it's time to pray and pray for each other or pray for the sick or pray for the lost. He wants unhealthiness to the church. He doesn't want it healthy, but God Himself and Paul talks about it in this scripture of how important it is for us to get in a place where God is using us. We never want to get away from that. Never. We always want to be in a place. That's the desire. And I'm sure that's your desire as well. To be in a place where God can use us. I, uh, I had read and jotted down a, a note here. That talked about. Um, here in Ephesians chapter 3. How, how Paul uh, talks about uh, Christ being a resident in our, in our heart. If you will. And there was a, a gentleman named Robert Munger. He was a Presbyterian minister that wrote in a little booklet one time. He said, uh, and the title of it was, My Heart, Christ's Home. My Heart, Christ's Home. I thought how important that is because the first point that Paul talks about here in chapter 3, for the, praying for the church, praying for spiritual strength. We know these bodies as they get older, we have a little more ailments and a little bit more problems and, and become maybe a little more frail. And we think back to many years ago and the strength that we had and the things that we could do and the vigor that we had in doing it. It all slowly starts going away. So we understand the importance of spiritual strength, that the importance of not letting it go. You know what? That's one, that's one thing, the spiritual side of this. As we get older, it should get stronger. It shouldn't be like the body because God's Spirit is not like the body. God is not like the body. God is eternal. It says in the Scriptures that with men, it's impossible. Certain things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Why? Because He is God. He is the great Creator. He is the one that said, I am. That's who He is. He's the great I am. Then, but then Mr. Munger here talking about in this booklet, 
of how he, he kind of depicts of our heart being a home and inviting Jesus into it. And he said, think of it this way. Have Jesus walking through your house and looking through every room that's in your house. And are there certain rooms you want it to stay locked and you don't want to invite him into? Hmm. There are certain areas. Now listen, I don't know about your house. I'm going to get in trouble for this if anybody tells Donna, but she's not here. But sometimes we got certain areas of the house that might get a little messy because, probably mostly because of me, but we toss the mail down or we, yeah, everybody's, everybody's the women's shaking their head because it is the men's fault. I'm sure it is. We bring something in and we throw it down and I get in from work finally and I throw stuff down and becomes a little cluttered. We need to keep people away from that corner. We need to hide that, that piece of it. Well, if you invite Christ into your heart's home and he walks through, are there certain areas you say, Jesus, I really don't want you to see that. I really don't want you to go into that room. It shouldn't be that way. Spiritually speaking, it shouldn't be that way. God saved us whole and completely. He saved us. We should invite him into our whole heart, not pieces of it. And I'm afraid that's what people in this world today, that's what they want to do. They want to have just Jesus in part of their heart and their life, and then the rest of it, they'll consume it with whatever. What generally happens in those cases, they consume their heart with whatever, and if there's anything left, they'll have Jesus take part of that. But Mr. Unger, he said this. He said, if your heart were a home, would Jesus be an honored guest or would he be a permanent resident? Mm. Because an honored guest sounds pretty good. It'd be an honor for have Jesus into our, into our heart. He said, or would he be not just a guest, but a permanent resident? Hmm. I said that earlier, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, with all of it. I think the second thing here that um, Paul was praying for about, and he says it in verse 17, is that he prays that Christ may dwell in them forever. When we accept Christ in our life, it's not like I'll do this for a week or two, but it's forever. When he cleanses us and uh, cleanses us from our sin and forgives us of that and cast him as far as the east is from the west, he's given us a solid foundation to stand upon. The intent is to take us home to be with him forevermore. Life changed forever. That's the desire of God. Paul is praying here and saying in verse 17... That he wants the believers to be rooted and grounded, or another way to put it is established in the love of Christ. We'll get to that one in just a moment. You've heard this before, the deeper the roots of a tree, the taller the tree is. The deeper the roots. Sister Denise, when I was over visiting Dorothy, she was showing me some drawings that she was working on. It was trees and 
And uh, it had roots going down, way down in the ground. Those roots were different things of God. The tree standing tall and branching out. We kind of think of ourselves that way. We've got to make sure we're deeply rooted into the Word of God. We can't just think in our head, I'm going to be a better Christian, I'm going to be a better church member, I'm going to be a better this. It's got to come from the heart. We need to be deeply rooted in God's Word. Paul's saying, I'm praying, church. I'm praying for that. The noon hour comes each day that you're asked to pray for this church. What do you pray for? Pray for the spiritual strength. Pray for that Christ may dwell in our hearts. And the last thing that Paul mentions here is that we know the love of Christ. He says it there in verse 19. What is he ta- he's talking about what his prayer is for this church. And he says, and to know the love of Christ. He goes on to say that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I talked about earlier about feeling that joy down in our heart. When we have that fullness of God down in our heart, man, there's just there's nothing greater than that. And I know we go out, maybe you feel it in a church service. You just feel that fullness of God and it feels so good to you. And and you go home and the next day you get up and you go to work and the devil meets you right away, don't he? He doesn't like it. He doesn't like you going around feeling all good and stuff. So he'll meet you right away. But when we go back to the second point of being deeply rooted in that love, that same love, we can stand a little stronger against the devil. And knowing, knowing this, that it's not us that's got to fight the battle, but we've got to give it to God. Just like David did. David went out there and by all means, it looked like he was going to fight the giant. And he was his, him and his form, that was the vessel that was there. He told the giant, you come with me with a spear and a sword. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. We've got to stand up to the devil just like David stood up to the giant sometimes. And say, I know you're coming at me and you're coming hard at me because you don't like where I'm at. But I'm coming in the name of the Lord at you, Gavin. Paul says, I want you to deeply know the love of Christ. You want to really pray for this church and for this community and that souls will be moved, souls will be lifted up and helped. Then know how wonderful that our Savior Jesus Christ loves us. He said, no greater love hath a man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He said, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command of you. There's no greater love than what Christ showed for us. He said, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He looked down through time and he saw Mark Mays as nothing but a black heart and a sinner at a certain time in my life. But Jesus says, I'm going to die for that individual. He looked down and he saw the drunkard. He said, I'm going to die for that individual. He saw the drug addict and he said, I'm going to die 
for that individual. Saw the prostitute and said, I'm going to die for that individual. Saw the murderer and said, I am going to die for that individual. I read a book a while back about a variety of murder, uh, murderers, those that have been uh, cast into prison forever, for as long as they live here on this earth. But then also those that had converted while they was in there to Jesus Christ, to a believer. That didn't let them out of the prison down here. But that gave them freedom spiritually. And that's hard to understand. That's hard to understand now. But Jesus even said, I'm going to die for that individual. I'm going to lay my life down for that one. Wow, it's hard for our mind to fathom. But there's a love, there's a deepness to that. Paul talked about it here. I mean, we can't comprehend the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. We can't measure the love of God. But we can experience it. If you're a child of God, you certainly have experienced the love of Christ, but we need to know every day of our life how much Christ loves us. That's what Paul's saying. I'm praying also that you truly know, you know deep down the love of Jesus Christ. Mm. We should seek and attempt to know the deepness of Jesus' love. I think it's a good exercise for Christians to do. I think it's a good exercise for all of us to do. Get into God's Word and let's see if you can see how deep the love of Christ goes. It's deep. How high it goes. How wide it is. How far-reaching the love of Christ is. Paul says, I pray that the church knows that and experiences it. Actually, if we do that, that'll bring on the first point that Paul made that it'll be, bring spiritual strength to us. We want to pray for our church just as Paul was talking about. He wanted to pray for the church there in Ephesus. That was 2,000 years ago that Paul talked about praying for the church. Now we're talking about praying for our church. Things real, think the world has changed. Man may have changed. Traditions may have come and gone, but God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one thing that hasn't changed is, in the time of Paul to the time of today, we still need to pray for one another. We need to pray for the church. As we get an invitation song, Bobby, we want to give you an opportunity to... Maybe you have other things that you do need to pray about. Maybe there's something that's interfering with you trying to pray for the church. Hopefully you've been able to remember to do that down through this past week. We want it to become a habit in your life. That you pray for one another, but you pray for this church that we be found in the center of the will of God. That we continue seeing people saved. That we continue seeing people baptized. That we can see, continue to see people encouraged.
what the church is here for. We're here for one another. To help one another. This is a good church to go to for prayer. We know that. We've seen that. We've experienced it. But there's no time to stop on that. There's no time to give up. We need to be encouraged to continue on. Trusting in Christ and praying for each other.